My name is Lindsay Fleming, and today I have Christine Rico um, on the Integrate podcast with me. So Christine was originally born in the Philippines, but then her family moved to the United States, um, I think at the age of three. But then she started in California, but zigzagged back across the United States to attend college um, at New York University, but has spent the majority of your career in Silicon Valley um, in the tech industry. And so, Christine, thank you so much for sitting down and joining me today and sharing what has transpired uh, since that point in time to where we are today. Hey, thank you, Lindsay, for having me on the show. Yeah, it's um, it's been quite a journey. You know, I think many um, people have had all kinds of different experiences right throughout the pandemic. But for me, it's definitely been an acceleration of, um, I think, God bringing to life um, a lot of, of ideas that he had put in me. And so it's been quite a surprising couple of years in many ways, um, but I'm very grateful for it. So just because I we're meeting re like relatively um, new, we don't have a track record and many people coming um, to listen to Integrate Podcasts might, know, know, might not know your story as well. Sure. So could you share with us, you know, about your work journey to this point, maybe starting from college to today, just the quick version and get us caught up to speed? Yeah, happy to do that. So as you mentioned, I was born in the Philippines, raised in the Bay Area, born into a Christ following family as the youngest of eight kids. So I was very blessed to have had this like very strong foundation of faith instilled in me from a very young age from my parents and then my seven older siblings. And um, at the age of seven, I came to a personal relationship with Jesus and then made a decision to get baptized when I was 11. Um, and then at New York University, where I went to school, that was the first time that I was away from, you know, family and from my home church community, which was a predominantly Filipino immigrant church community as well. Um, and so being in New York was just, again, this um, introduction into a bigger world that I didn't have much exposure to. And, and even, you know, I got to study abroad in Eastern Europe and traveled around Europe. And, you know, God just kept revealing himself more and more to me. But the... Um, you know, the question that I began asking God when I was in college was, you know, God, would you show me your love so that it materially impacts how I wake up in the morning? You know, I, I knew that God's love was this, you know, amazing and overwhelming thing uh, that causes people to live differently. Um, but admittedly, at that age, you know, 18, 19, 20, even though I had known about God's love and I did see it in others, I, I knew that there was, I, I wanted a deeper and more tangible experience of it for myself. And so right. I started so putting I that into action for my life um, yes. and live in a way that's dramatically different. Absolutely. And I knew from, again, the example of my parents, even in this human, human form of love in their marriage, um, you know, love, their love for each other translated into sacrifice for one another, you know, and for the family because of that love. And I thought, you know, I, I wanted to experience God's love more deeply, again, just to materially impact how I, imp how I live my life each day. And then the second question I started asking God was like, God, would you teach me how to love you? So two questions, 
God, show me your love and teach me how to love you. And all throughout my university years, as I was studying business, um, that was the like internal pursuit and prayer. And it wasn't an overnight thing. It was a, definitely a gradual progression of God answering that prayer. And the first step was really revealing to me, even though I, I'd always thought that I was a good kid, that, you know, compared to his holiness, man, I'm a sinner <laughs> and I'm a sinner in need of a savior and unloving thoughts that I have or, you know, selfish desires, selfish ambitions that I have, like all of those things are not aligned with um, the kind of obedience that God deserves and, and commands from me to love him with all my heart and mind and, and strength. And um, so I came to a more uh, full understanding of repentance. You know, I think when you come face to face with your sin a little bit more clearly, it just, and then, and alongside the realization of God's grace and mercy and love, it's overwhelming. And so I experienced that very like overwhelming sense of, of uh, forgiveness and grace and mercy during that time period. And God also brought, you know, um, other mentors, Christian mentors and leaders from a local church who came alongside us students during that, you know, uh, important phase in our life, you know, coming to becoming adults and navigating the whole college journey and moving into the professional world. And so, um, you know, all of those things um, allowed for me to better understand God's love. And then the second question was, God, teach me how to love you. And Jesus says it very plainly in, in, in John 14 and 15 and so on. But essentially, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. Yeah, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And so, again, the connection between obedience and love is, is key. And that clicked for me. And so I started to read the Bible differently, uh, not just to know the information or memorize it because it's of Sunday school, you know, or to look good in front of the church leaders because I would know all the answers. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm very grateful that oh. starting at the age of two, you know, I was being taught the Bible and, you know, and, and I got a lot of exposure to truth in the word of God. And I think all of that has played a huge role in my discipleship journey all throughout my life. And so I credit, you know, all those people who have poured into me from a very young age, instilling biblical truth into my life and praying for me and encouraging me to pray. So all those things, I think, just came to a more personal I came to a more personal understanding of why all those things were important when I got to college, right? And, G and reading the word of God and Jesus saying, if you love me, keep my commands. And so all that to say, um, at, in parallel, while all this was happening, I was completing my uh, degree at the business school. Um, I did uh, a dual degree program. So I got uh, two bachelor's degrees in accounting and management. And then I got a master's degree in accounting in four years and a summer. And right after that, I um, started my uh, professional career in Silicon Valley. So I had an offer to join a big firm, a management consulting firm. And originally, I was going to stay in New York. Um, but I felt like God was kind of nudging or inviting me back, <laughs> inviting me back to California. Yeah. And uh, it was something that I couldn't quite shake off and ignore. Right, right. It, it kept enough. coming back or creeping back in. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it was enough of a invitation, and he he simply said to me, "You know, what if you move back to California?" 
And that thought, um, that thought just haunted me for five months. Like it wouldn't go away because I had already gotten my job offer for New York City okay. and all my friends were staying in New York City. And so I had my plan. You had it all planned out. It was, this was what and, the plan was supposed to be. And it was there, you know, like the, it wasn't just a plan. Like it was an actionable path that was already available to it me. It was already in motion, you know. Yes, correct. And um, all I had to do was accept the offer and, you know, just finish my degree. Um, and, and then, but this thought kept coming of what if you move back to California? And so I leaned into it. I prayed, I talked to different people. And at the end of that five ish month period of praying and, you know, doing all the pro con list and all of that, um, I decided, okay, if, you know, it's worth listening to, if this is God's voice, um, I still wasn't sure. And I gave myself, you know, the option to go back. Right. And it's like, if I really hate California again, like, oh, I'll just go back to New York. It's not a big deal. So that's what happened. I ended up, um, and, and one of the partners at the firm that I got hired into suggested that I be based in San Jose, in the San Jose office, because the firm had a San Francisco office and a San Jose office. Okay. And so um, his recommendation was to be based in San Jose because we had a growing technology practice there. And so I took the advice from this partner and I started my career based in San Jose in the tech industry. <laughs> and I, you know, immediately from the time that I started, I started working with software, uh, software companies, got more exposure into like the software development, uh, product development, lifecycle, agile methodology, and helping companies with their uh, customer experience, product development. Um, and other customer-centric types of projects, mainly for software companies. Um, and I also got a lot of international experiences in management consulting. I was very grateful for that. I got a chance to travel around Asia and Europe on various you know, consulting engagements for large um, multinational companies. And eventually all of those experiences, uh, which came like very quickly, I, I was getting assigned to these different things and, um, you know, and consulting you and, and right out of college, I mean, you're just eager to learn and that, that I was hungry to learn. And I said yes to almost everything. Say yes a lot, right out of college. That's what I always Absolutely. give advice. Just say yes a lot when you can. But I also, what people don't know is that I actually specifically asked God for a, for a job opportunity that would allow me to travel. Okay. So that was actually a thing that I talked to God about for, you know, um, during that period, junior year, senior year of college, I actually asked him for that. Like, if it's possible, you know, I was like, of course, I'm happy to get a job, you know, that was, get a um, yes. I was happy to, to get a role that would allow me to learn, you know, if it allowed me to travel, then great, mm -hmm. you know, if it's possible. And I'm just grateful that he, you know, he's just a kind God and allowed me that, that, that joy, that phase of life to travel literally every week <laughs> and, um, got a lot of miles. Um, yeah. So in any case that those experiences, I think allowed me to be uniquely positioned to then, um, uh, take on this new role that I was offered to join Apple a couple, several years later. Um, and I joined Apple, um, on, initially the international expansion team for Apple retail. Okay. So um, we were focused on expanding our Apple retail operations in new countries. 
Okay. So at that during that time period, um, Apple retail was going through a wave of two to three new countries per year. So there was like a need for like a concerted focus for expansion. And I got to be one of the early like external hires to join that that team. And I got to be part of opening, you know, several new stores and and directly managed three new country openings in different regions in, you know, uh, here in North America, Europe, and then Asia as well. So in like less than three years, I was able to um, complete these like large scale international expansion projects, which was a blast. Um, it, which in many cases is, is kind of like, you know, church planting, right? But for, <laughs> um, of course, maybe larger capital expenditure. Um, but in, in any case, it, that's how I tend to explain it to folks in the church world. Um, so they can kind of visualize what all that takes. Right. So put a picture. Put well, a picture I work for medical device and product development. So I have used agile software. So that will be another podcast for another time <laughs> that we can share. But I was tracking with you when you when you said that. That's what I previously did. So that's um, awesome. Yes. Yeah, so it's funny how our worlds can connect. So how did you go from from going from consulting to Apple and then to the venture that you're doing now, almost taking yeah. on a startup, how did you pivot and, and what have you been learning, I guess, as you made that jump? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as usual, there's always something happening beneath the surface, right? During all these, you know, career um, milestones, like inside, uh, post-college, what I was really seeking from the Lord um, is, you know, what does it look like for me to be obedient to the great commandment, the great commission in my workplace? Like that was just a personal desire of mine, because like I mentioned, I, yeah. I, I left college with this kind of um, reinvigorated like desire to live my life in obedience to God because I love him and he mm -hmm. loves me. You know, that was my, that was my, the orientation of my heart and my life. I wanted to be obedient to God. And, but I realized like, I don't really know what this looks like. I, like, like how did that translate into those yeah. first jobs? I mean, you exactly. show up, you're eager to do a great job, but out of doing things out of excellence, you know, to honor him, like, what did that look like for you right out of the gate? Yeah, exactly. And so initially right out of college, I, all those things, you know, I, tried to do my my job well with excellence and integrity um, and and of course treated people um, as lovingly as I could you know and um, and I would I would welcome spiritual conversations like if they if it if, if, if it, there was an opportunity for that you know and and maybe pray for people if there were opportunities for that like I wasn't um, afraid to do that from the beginning of my career really oh. um, but I still, but I, and then I also volunteered a lot at my local church. I volunteered a ton, like as much, like it just in everything, um, youth ministry, worship team, church treasurer, like all the outreach yeah. ministries, evangelism, like training, coordination, like anything that like my pastor sort of um, needed help with. I was on board, like church website, you know, everything, like anything digital. And so I, and so I was, I was still buying into this um, idea that, that the church work and the short-term mission trips, you know, I did that as well. 
Um, like that was the more valuable work and the consulting work was great. And I, I really, and, and, you know, and then the Apple work, you know, all of that work, I did see it as, as, as valuable. And I actually really thrived in it. Like there was just something about the tech industry environment that felt like a really good fit for me and the way that I'm wired. So I was like kind of thriving in that space and then still, you know, doing a lot of this church work, but I wouldn't entirely say that I felt like I was thriving. I felt like I was learning for sure and and maybe growing in fellowship, but just my natural giftings, I would say in the church world, were not always like hundred um, percent like utilized or it just felt like it felt like I was trying to fit into this, you know, like the, the what is that analogy? The square peg round hole yep, yep. type of feeling. Or You're willing to do it, but it wasn't the proper fit for you. But I, but I wanted to, because again, I wanted to be obedient to God. Mm-hmm. And so I told God, you know, if, I mean, if this is the work that's important to you, you know, the church related work and the missionary, like kind of going overseas, have a missionary work. If that is the work that is truly important for the kingdom of God, then that's the only work that I want to do. Right. That was my mentality. And so I I actually reached this point of, you know, kind of that tension became so real and so difficult for me that I, you know, I started to pray again, you know, God, you know, am I being who you've designed me to be? You know, I, I realized as well through just various kind of introspection and, and reflection and conversations with people that maybe I'm asking the wrong question because I was okay. asking, like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, am I doing what's right? Am I doing what God wants me to do? It was always about like doing stuff. And so right. I shifted it a little bit and I asked, okay, well, God, am I being, <clears throat> excuse me, am I being who you've designed me to be? You know, am I in this in in this phase of my life, right? I'm working here, trying to be godly as best as I can, and then I volunteer as much as I can in all this sort of church and ministry stuff. Am I being who you've designed me to be? Like, is this it? Like, is this? Am I? <laughs> should I just be content? Like, is this the vision right. of of a Christian um, life that I ought to be content with? And if so, then then great you know, kind of give me that affirmation. But um, so I prayed that for a while. And that's when actually I started to dig into what, what does the Bible have to say about business? Right? What does the Bible have to say? Because I had never asked those questions yet. And I had never been taught to to consider how the Bible you hear a lot in church, you know, it's either you think people that are and ministry are missionaries or work at the church or volunteering, things yeah. like that. Yeah. And I came from like a tradition that um, like women were not um, permitted to preach or like become pastors. So like that was out, you know, like even yeah. that possibility for me was out. And so the like possibility, the, the sort of possibility that I was seeing in this limited view of ministry that I had was, oh, I'm going to be a mission, like an overseas kind of missionary person, you know, and I was exploring that actively for a while. I was considering leaving like the tech industry for that. But that's when God revealed to me, like, what are you doing? Like your work in the tech industry, it matters to me. Like 
all of the, these things, like I have, you know, Ephesians 2.10 came to life for me in a whole new way that I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared in advance for me. Right. And as I spend time with him, as I seek to obey him, I get to discover where he's working and, you know, how I can be part of advancing his plan for the universe, like his redemptive plan for the universe. And so the weight is off of me to try to figure out, like, am you I doing to do all the, right the work? Thing? You just have to be obedient to the next right thing that he shows you. And to be open to discovering where he is and, and open to his voice, open to him revealing himself to me in unexpected ways. And I need to be open to, you know, being interrupted. Right, which it kind of feels that way for someone. Welcome like to the pandemic, right? I mean, we all learned what being life being interrupted was. Right? Exactly. We all got to practice in that. Exactly, and so, but you know, throughout my life, I have you know come to this um, very like deep sense of surrender, like to God. Like I know. I have no doubt in my being that the best place to be is in obedience to God. Um, and and his, he is the most trustworthy, right? His promises are trustworthy. I do not doubt that for myself in my life, just because of how he's, he's written my story. Record. You can see it in scripture yeah. and then again and again in your own personal life of how he's provided and shown. Correct. Correct. So when he reveals something to me, even if it sounds a little bit you know, not, uh, not, not yet something that I'm super excited to do. <laughs> but if I if I get this affirmation or this sense that, okay, I think this might be an invitation from God. I am, I am, yeah, going to be all in for it. And so um, all that to say, you know, that period of asking God, like, am I being who you've designed me to be was crucial in solidifying my sense of identity in Christ. And that, you know, because of who God is and who he says I am, that I am a daughter of the most high king, right? I am a co-heir with Christ and I'm a, an ambassador for Christ, right? I'm a minister of reconciliation. All of these words in the Bible became more real to me personally. Like that mm -hmm. is who I am. And because of who I am, what I do matters. It doesn't matter which institution I am working with or working for or what the actual like activity might be. It might not seem super godly at the surface, mm -hmm. but because of who God is and who he says I am, everything that I do has redemptive potential. Correct. In the way that I do it and, and, and how I go about it. And, and ultimately, as I saw my work at Apple, like I'm working with hundreds and hundreds of different people all the time and like what an opportunity to you know love uh in in whatever way that i can in those moments and at the same time too um i learned a different definition of success um and i i adopted for myself this definition of success is success is training each day to pursue growth in the likeness of Jesus. So training each day to pursue growth in the likeness of Jesus in character, in competency and in community. And so I started to like kind of just shift um, what I was ambitious about and what I was pursuing. And as long as I'm training each day to pursue growth in the likeness of Jesus, it's a good day. It's a successful day. And so I started to adopt that um, in my work and in my life.
And that that's also been transformative and continues to be how I approach everything that I do. Because if I'm not growing like Jesus, if I'm not pursuing growth in the likeness of Jesus, then it's just activity. Right. It's, it's just, just kind of like this white noise in the background going through the motions, just kind of numb to your day. Yeah. Or maybe you're delivering outcomes. Yeah. Maybe you're delivering outcomes. And sure, maybe there's some good in it. Yeah. I don't want to undermine that. But for me personally, if, I, if I'm not growing like Jesus, uh, it's it's kind of a waste of time. Um, but in any case, it's it that's required years and years of intentional discipline and like unlearning and then relearning a lot of different things. Um, but the shift, the move to the Philippines and, and the venture that I am pursuing now was a gradual thing as well. You know, I was born in the Philippines, like I mentioned, mm -hmm. I'd always had a desire to give to like reconnect with the Philippines in some way. I did my first like one month short-term mission trip in the Philippines actually, Okay. Um, post-college. So I got to spend a lot of time in different parts of the country. And then in 2019, um, and that that went really well, you know, that actually activated in me this um, desire for more like mission trip types of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then in 2019, because of my involvement in the faith and work mm -hmm. uh, ministry in Silicon Valley, and at the time I was co-leading the uh, Christian um, employee resource group at uh, Apple, and um, I got the opportunity to um, be on the panel for the Global Workplace Forum, which was hosted by the Lausanne Movement. Okay. And so it was gathering about 800 or 900 different Christ followers from over a hundred different countries to talk about, you know, activating a movement of the gospel in workplaces. Um, and so I got to be a delegate at that global workplace forum and it just happened to be hosted in Manila like of all the, of all the places, right? Of all the places it was hosted in Manila. The Lausanne movement hadn't hosted um, a gathering in Manila for 30 years. So it was just this, I'm glad, you know, like got, at, at that moment in time, like I got to be there. Uh, mm -hmm. If it had happened any other time, I don't think I would have been able to participate in it for a variety of reasons. But 2019, like it was a good time for me. And it was, it just happened to be in Manila. So <laughs> that was another like big milestone moment in my life where all these different pieces of my story came together like this, you know, faith and work, um, component of like that's just ultimately my sense of call is to be a minister in the marketplace like that has been solidified in many different ways and so you know that and then manila and just all these things so i got a chance to be part of that and um the other thing that uh was put on my heart to to do while i was there was to uh, host a pitch competition for filipino youth and you know the invitation was dream bigger, you know, dream bigger Manila pitch competition for Filipino youth. So um, I just, I wrote out this proposal on like a Google doc yeah. and it was passed around to different leaders who were also going to be attending the Lausanne movement or participating in it in some way. Mm -hmm. And a number of local Filipino leaders just got on board right away and said they wanted to be a part of it. And pretty soon we had a team a whole team of folks <laughs> um wow. and, it, and so it happened it happened wow. we were able to host this dream bigger manila pitch competition it was more successful than i had anticipated 
And it was great to be able to hear the these, uh, you know, student teams present their ideas. We awarded scholarships and even gave out fun like Apple products as prizes, you know, and it was it was a really good time. But ultimately, it was just this um, this this invitation, right, mm -hmm. to, to be heard and um, to remember that because of who God is and who he says we are, like what we, what we do matters, like we can practically be part of advancing his kingdom in our cities, you know, and one of the verses that really captivates my imagination to this day is Proverbs 1110, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices, mm. right? When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. And so I, um, I, I just, I love that, that vision of God's people across sectors, right? Across communities, really working together to make God's love visual in the world by solving real problems and bringing about these tastes of heaven, you know, oh. tastes of his love in the community around us. And so this Dream Bigger Manila pitch competition, again, was just intended to be a little taste of, you know, God's people coming together and then encouraging these young people to dream with him. Right. Because, because God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So it was, it was great. And um, it surprised me as well, as far as the turnout, and and then the um, the response from the people who attended, there were a lot of adults that attended. You know, they were then asking, you know, when are you are you going to do this again? Like, when are you going to do this for adults? Like, we need this too, you know. And um, so, anyways, after that uh, 2019 event, I um, I started to just pray into that more, and mm -hmm. I continued to stay in touch with. Um, the different entrepreneurs that I met at that event and tried to help in whatever way that I could remotely because I had to go back to Silicon Valley. But the seed that was planted in me at that trip was number one, Filipino people are very talented people, mm -hmm. hungry for an opportunity. Um, and then the second invitation that I heard from God was like, hey, you know, what if you did more business in the Philippines like one day, <laughs> you know, um, it's like, okay, I'd love to do more business in the Philippines one day. Yeah. One day. I didn't know when that day would be. One but day was coming sooner than you had anticipated. It was just a seed. Those, so the, those seeds were planted and um, fast forward, like during the pandemic um, it became this question of, you know, if not now, then when, and if not you, then who? So I decided to, you know, pursue this opportunity to be part of um, energizing Filipino entrepreneurship. And yeah, it's been less than a year. So still pretty new in this venture, but God has been, again, putting a lot of different pieces together in an encouraging way and really validating that like there's an opportunity to serve here. Like, yeah the entrepreneurship market in the Philippines is underserved and the Philippines is the fifth largest Christian majority country in the world. So there are actually a lot of people who value faith. Right. Um, so faith is a very important thing to many people. And then you have the entrepreneurs, but there's um, not a lot of capacity building organizations or investors that are faith driven mm -hmm. and sort of uniquely partner or serve these entrepreneurs who actually do value their faith. And so Dream Bigger Ventures is able to um, come alongside 
these uh, Filipino entrepreneurs providing coaching on whole life leadership, helping them expand their redemptive vision for their business, and then ultimately access uh, values aligned uh, capital. So trying to connect, you know, what's happening globally in like the faith driven entrepreneur, faith driven investor space mm -hmm. with the opportunities in the Philippines. Wow. What an incredible way to now, it's easy to see when you look back at your story and how, what God has done with your life, how all the pieces go together for today, but <laughs> you have that vision when you first started, but it's really amazing to look back and see how those threads connect everything. Um, so thank you for sharing yeah. how, how you got to where you are today. That's awesome. I guess where God got to you to where you are. Today. Yeah. Yeah. Just like every step. Yeah. And then I guess over time you begin to um, hear better, kind of hear his voice a little bit better. <laughs> You're more aware and more, more keen aware. to know what it sounds like. Like, oh, this isn't just like that pit in my stomach or that excitement. This is really God speaking to me personally. Yeah. One thing that you shared, and I think just for It'd be awesome just to talk a little bit about, you know, you shared your parents immigrated, um, you know, to the U.S. from the Philippines. And what was that like growing up? And then and maybe mm. a combination about that. Share a little bit about um, the uniqueness of the Filipino culture. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to share. So growing up. Um, so my. I'll backtrack. My dad moved to the U.S. first. This is a classic, you yep. know, Filipino story mm -hmm. um, where spouses, like one spouse, will go abroad for a better job opportunity, and then the other spouse and the kids usually stay in the Philippines. Oftentimes, the spouses are not able to reunite for one reason or another, which is extremely sad, and that is one of the biggest issues right now in the Philippines is the breakdown of marriage and family that's typically caused by a lack of local livelihood. Okay. Um, but all that to say, my my parents were in a similar situation, you know, back in the 80s, my dad was having trouble finding sustainable work in the Philippines. He's a college educated man, you know, but he had a growing family and the economy was really hard during that time. And so right. when he got the opportunity to move to the U.S., um, cause his family, uh, his parents were his, his mom, sorry, his mom was already here. And so he was able to, you know, have that opportunity to come to the U S to work. He decided to take it. So he and my mom were separated for seven years and he would come home to the Philippines maybe once a year. Wow. And, um, you know, again, just based on the statistics <laughs> it's very it's a miracle in itself it's a miracle. <laughs> that my parents were able to stay together and that my dad was able to work out all of the details from an immigration perspective to bring everyone right the, everyone yes the whole family yeah reunited in the U.S. like that is a miracle in itself and God allowed for that and provided all the means necessary for that to happen. Like that is a miracle in itself. And the fact only just two of you, it was like seven kids, right? You said you're the youngest. Eight. There's eight of us total. Yeah. 
Yeah. Eight of us total. Wow. And uh, yeah, praise God. My parents have been married over 50 years, you know, so just even that um, mm -hmm. is a miracle in itself. Yes. I'm very grateful for that. Um, and growing up, I would say a theme throughout my life has been like bridge builder, like bridge building, right? Mm -hmm. Like culturally, um, cause I went to school, right? All in the U S so mm -hmm. I was assimilating and adapting to all this American culture and all my, you know, and then at home and at church, it'd be more of this Filipino immigrant culture, right? More traditional and, um, yeah, it's it's more communal as well. You know, American culture tends to be more um, individualistic, yes. right? Which, in many ways, for dreamers, right, it's great. Like, go pursue your dreams, and you know, you you're, it's kind of that environment for people to you know there are where people are encouraged to have dreams and to go after their dreams. I mean, it's amazing. Right. In Filipino culture, it's definitely much more of a communal. Um, communal culture. So it, you know, you value the whole and you, and, and, so and how it benefits everyone, not just like, not just your dream, but like, it has to be all whole dream. Yeah. Cause yeah, you can't just think of yourself taking off and going cause you're considering your family with you. Absolutely. Um, and so with that said, you know, there's, um, it's difficult to maybe venture off into something that isn't quote unquote normal for the, the culture. Cause you don't want to rock the boat, so to speak. Um, because the, the goal is to, again, benefit the whole and, and typically, um, you know, for example, in Filipino culture, like when there's a, when there's a, when there is a path to success that is seen as like, trustworthy you know mm -hmm. um then then it's like just we'll just keep doing that because it works yeah you know <laughs> don't change anything that's yeah, don't change anything. We'll just keep doing that because it works like for example healthcare. Mm -hmm. you know the philippines is actually um the number one country of uh, exporting nurses mm -hmm. all, all across the world um and we see that in california mm -hmm. in particular all over the u.s you have lots of filipino nurses yeah. um and that stems from like i said like it it works you know, mm -hmm. Filipinos who get trained as nurses, they are able to um, achieve, um, you know, financial stability and able to give back, et cetera. So then a lot of Filipino families just encourage their kids, okay, keep, keep doing it, yeah. <laughs> keep doing that. Um, and so, you know, I think the, um, the mindset as well, um, and the, the culture and the mindset, it, it, it is, a little bit difficult to pursue on sorry it's fine okay we can just tell them yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but in any case yeah i think it's it's it makes it a little, a little bit difficult to pursue entrepreneurship in in that kind with that kind of cultural backdrop where it's so, so high in community focus and sort of um, there's a high value of um, kind of conformity almost, or just sort of upholding the norms that work. Sure. And don't rock anything, you know? And, um, and then the other piece of Filipino culture is that 
it does it it it, it does tend to be more patriarchal. And so Filipino women in particular, um, culturally, will have a little bit more of a difficult time with direct communication. Okay. Um, so that's actually been, which makes me a little bit of a weirdo sometimes. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I don't think that you have that problem. So, um, but it, it has been something that I've worked on intentionally oh. from a very young age. Uh, because I recognized um, naturally it didn't come to okay. me and I found it difficult to communicate because then like I said I went to school right all with um, more Americanized kids and then I would be um, from a young age I would have opportunities to go to these leadership conferences where there'd be kids from all these other schools in the region or at a national level and so I got exposed to these different settings where um, other other kids my age were communicating much more clearly or much more easily than I felt that I could. And I knew that it was an opportunity for me to grow because I knew that there were things that I, I had ideas and I had things that I wanted to say. I just had trouble communicating it. And so actually from seventh, like sixth or seventh grade, I, I started to notice that. And I started to <laughs> intentionally work on my communication. Um, but yeah, culturally, that is that is a... So when I work with entrepreneurs, you know, there, there's a sense in which like I, I'm, I'm aware of, of these cultural nuances and I'm able to be, because of my story and, you know, the, the experiences that I've had and the things that I have had to overcome in order to really embrace who God has designed me to be, um, as opposed, which me, means, you know, that question was very profound in my life. Like, God, am I being who you designed me to be? I don't want to be who my culture says I should be, who my church says I should be, who my industry says I should be. I want to be who you, God, has designed me to be. And and that did require kind of letting go of these expectations or these, these um, you know, the, the vision of, of a, a good Filipina Christian woman looks like I kind of had to let go of that and be okay if if I if I didn't always get the validation okay from from others from people of of my culture mm-hmm. um I kind of had to be okay with that but as long as I was being who God wanted to yeah. be yeah I'm okay with that but that is a hard culturally it's a very hard thing like I said um absolutely especially from a communal culture like one where you value your parents and the influence of them, you know, and uh, just people like that have mentored you in your life to kind of buck that in a professional and a godly way, but to maybe just challenge it or even rub up against it. I could see, I, you know, I didn't even grow up in that culture, but I am, I would say my family is more, has some characteristic traits of Filipino culture and I would have a hard time doing that, you know, when I feel yeah. like, I feel what you're saying. So absolutely. Yeah. But I would say, you know, overall, um, the Philippines is a very resilient nation and it's known for this idea that's called Bayanihan, which is a spirit of communal unity okay, and cooperation. And, um, you know, back in the day, you know, the people from the same bayan or the same town would really work together okay. to uplift everybody's life and well-being. Um, but now this this idea of bayanihan, it, it, it transcends even borders. And we see Filipinos right across borders still giving back to the country, 
through remittances or other ways to try to uplift the country in some way. Um, the other thing, interesting thing about the Philippines, just from a global church standpoint, is like the Philippines is a unique blend of Eastern and Western influences. So we have like ancestral Asian heritage, um, but we've also had, um, you know, we were under colonial rule, like under Spain mm -hmm. and America for a long time. And so it has this kind of unique <laughs> mix of Eastern and Western influences. Um, and then from a demographic um, uh, standpoint, it kind of has this mix of developed world and developing world uh, characteristics. Um, and so I, I like to, you know, whenever I'm in kind of global church types of conversations, I'm like, hey, the Philippines is a great pilot market. Like, let's <laughs> Yeah, why? let's, uh, you know, you could, so a lot of the work that I do even now, you know, because I, while I am very laser focused on the Philippines, a lot of my, you know, work um, previously has been very global. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of what we can, we are learning um, in the Philippines can, can definitely be shared um, globally in other settings as well. Um, as I thank you for sharing that it's, you know, we all have our assumptions about things, but it's always great and challenging to learn from firsthand experience. So it just helps fill in the pieces of the puzzle of how you are wired and how God has designed you to be in this unique time and, and space. But as we like kind of wrap up and can like and bring it to a close, tell us what you're most excited about as for you personally, Dream Bigger Ventures, like what does 2022 and beyond, what is something that you're really excited about that God has placed on your heart? Mm, I am very excited to see this Bayanihan spirit, you know, that spirit of communal unity and cooperation um, come to life in and through the work of Dream Bigger Ventures, where um, hopefully, you know, we're able to partner with Filipino American families or churches or just people in America with a heart for the Philippines in, in strategic ways to be able to then, you know, reinvest and support uh, the creation of livelihood in the country um, and really embody, you know, this, the spirit of unity. Um, and I see, I see that, you know, that through, through a number of different projects that I'm working on, I, I see this beginning to come to life. And it's, you know, early stages, right. but I'm excited for it to, you know, grow and, and hopefully encourage more people to be part of it. Well, I hope that we can do another podcast in the future so that we can keep up with your story and maybe <laughs> those things will come all the way to fruition and you can share more with us then. But your story is fascinating. God is definitely using you around the globe and we're excited to just sit down and connect with you and celebrate what God is doing in and through you. And we hope to do it again soon and maybe another podcast or two. Thank you so much. Have a Thank great you. day. Thank you. God bless.